It has been a tough week for the fresh faces of the Democratic Party. The chinks in the armor are beginning to show. All right, it is not a chink. They are beginning to implode. And unfortunately, it looks like Donald Trump may have helped them out. We're going to have to have a brand new podcast on this. But we're going to look at one incident today that occurred last week. That is the fight between Tucker Carlson of Fox News and Ilhan Omar, the Democratic Congresswoman from uh, Minnesota. It was a short-lived war, which I thought it probably would be. Um, that's because Tucker's monologues bring up much deeper problems that we conservatives, we conservatives are being forced to face and deal with. The problems, they're not new. They've been around since the 30s. So let's talk about it. This is Gene, and you're listening to Dumbasses Talking Politics. So the... <laughs> So it looks like the news cycle is absolutely going insane. I can't even cover everything. Uh, and this little diatribe we're going to go on today and tomorrow really came out again today. So we're going to talk specifically about Ilhan Omar and uh, Ocasio. Uh, tomorrow we're going to talk about AOC, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, because those two had some great, they had a great week last week, and I'm being sarcastic there. Um. But today, something else happened. Apparently, Donald Trump just continues to fish these people. He cannot stay off that bloody Twitter. And he released something that in itself didn't look terrible, but it wasn't good. I, I swear, sometimes that guy just needs to just stay off of Twitter. Someone needs to take his phone. They need to break it. And I, he's going to cost himself the presidency if he just doesn't shut up and stop being an attention whore, and that's what he is. But what we're going to talk about today is we're going to talk about uh, Tucker Carlson uh, and Ilhan Omar. Tucker Carlson had kind of a nice little speech uh, on, I believe it was Tuesday, and um, it, the monologue started out positive enough. Uh, he talked about the virtues of the United States, uh, how the country is great, how the country unconditionally is generous with other countries, especially during disaster. He talked about how the United States takes in more immigrants than any other country in the world, and we do. And he talked about the American dream, how this how these immigrants can come to a country, assimilate, learn to love the country, take advantage of all the benefits of the country, and I don't mean social programs, I mean all of the opportunity that we have here and eventually become successful. Um, and the American dream, which is something you just don't hear uh, hear that much anymore, doesn't care about your race, your gender, your creed, doesn't care if you're gay, doesn't care if you're a, a Muslim or a Christian or an agnostic or an atheist, doesn't care. We're all equal when it comes to the opportunities of this country. Then he gives an example of the American dream. He talks about a six-year-old girl who lived in a worn-torn Marxist, worn-torn Marxist country of Somalia, where warlords were actually owning the country and food was being used as a, as a, uh, as bait for the people and to control the people. The family of this six-year-old, well, they decided they couldn't handle it. They weren't going to survive, so they left Somalia and ended up in a refugee camp in Kenya. There they spent four long years. But finally, when this little girl was ten, she was gr the family was granted asylum to the United States. Let me change that. 
the family was offered asylum to the United States. See, here's the whole thing. The United States, you don't have to come if you don't want. So we'll offer you to come. So they were offered asylum to the United States. The family moved to Minneapolis, Minnesota, where the father started out as a lowly taxi cab driver. He drove for a while, but he soon ended up working for the government as a postal worker. The little girl, bright little girl, uh, went through the education system, did very well in school, became very successful. She entered local politics and climbed the ranks, became very influential. Finally, at the age of 36, this little girl became one of the most watched and powerful congresswomen of the House of Representatives. This awesome story is that of Ilhan Omar. But would Omar show any appreciation for the country and love the opportunities that it gave her and gives millions of immigrants that come over to this country? Well, <clears throat> let's listen to Tucker's take on the whole story. Ilhan Omar has an awful lot to be grateful for, but she isn't grateful, not at all. After everything America has done for Omar and for her family, she hates this country more than ever. In a recent piece in the Washington Post, the reporter put it this way, quote, in Omar's version, America isn't the big-hearted country that saved her from a brutal war in a bleak refugee camp. It wasn't a meritocracy that helped her attend college or vaulted her into Congress. Instead, it was the country that had failed to live up to its founding ideals, a place that had disappointed her and so many immigrants, refugees, and minorities like her, end quote. If anything, that's an understatement. Amar isn't disappointed in America. She's enraged by it. Virtually every public statement she makes accuses Americans of bigotry and racism. This is an immoral country, she says. She has undisguised contempt for the United States and for its people. That should worry you, and not just because Omar is now a sitting member of Congress. Ilhan Omar is living proof that the way we practice immigration has become dangerous to this country. A system designed to strengthen America is instead undermining it. Some of the very people we try hardest to help have come to hate us passionately. Maybe that's our fault for asking too little of our immigrants. We aren't self-confident enough to make them assimilate so they never feel fully American. Or maybe the problem is deeper than that. Maybe we're importing people from places whose values are simply antithetical to ours. Who knows what the problem is? But there is a problem. And whatever the cause, this cannot continue. It's not sustainable. No country can import large numbers of people who hate it and expect to survive. The Romans were the last to try that with predictable results. So be grateful for Ilhan Omar, annoying as she is. She's a living fire alarm, a warning to the rest of us that we better change our immigration system immediately or else. Sorry if I blew your ears out. I was uh, I had to adjust the sound a little bit on the external microphone. So if I got a little bit loud, I apologize. So Omar did not exactly appreciate being called out like she did. And Tucker, and she did exactly what Tucker said they would do. Uh, Omar decided to go out and start tweeting because that's what she does. Uh, he's a racist, a homophobe, a white supremacist. Here are a couple of her tweets. Uh, here's one. Uh, quote, Oh Lord, immigrants, oh my gosh, this gal, I, I looked at it I, last night and I 
this gal really needs, I can't believe she's actually in Congress. She cannot write for anything. So, quote, Oh, Lord, immigrants might criticize us reason. Immigrants might criticize us reason is the latest reason we need to strict vetting of immigrants. According to, to a racist fool like Tucker, this is what happens when your xenophobia cuts off the air circulation to your brain. And then she's got a little smiley emoji. Uh, no, that's not what he said. He didn't say that we need to cut off immigrants or anything like that. He he believed we need more betting, vetting because this country does not need immigrants who hate our country. Uh, people like this form discord and can actually hurt the country from within, which can be actually worse than terrorism. And Ilhan Omar is exactly what Tucker is talking about. She's an anti-Semite, she hates America, and is a terrorist sympathizer. If you don't believe me, all you have to do is go to YouTube, type in Ilhan Omar, and just listen to what she says all the time. You can also just go on Twitter and look at what she tweets all the time. She's just a terrible human. This is just not a good human being. And, um, you know, at 10 years old, you can you can never tell. Uh, this is a woman who once fought for leniency for nine convicted ISIS-converted terrorists, uh, possible terrorists, in Minnesota because she felt they were marginalized because they were um, Muslim. Heck, she said, she said, uh, she thought uh, what she thought about terrorist organizations in an interview with, uh, I believe it was Al Jazeera. Listen to this one. Um, I remember um, when I was in college, I took uh, a terrorism class. And is that a such thing? Yeah, there was. So there you was, go. Out, there is a lab for that. There was. A, there was a class that you. <laughs> Do you go to lab? No, you go we, we, we learned uh, the, the ideology of. I'm glad um, you do that. <laughs> and so it was. It was the, the thing that was interesting in the class was every time the 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 professor said Al Qaeda, he sort of like his shoulders yeah. went up and you know. Yeah, he's in command like, here. Al Qaeda, you know, hospital. He's an expert. <laughs> And it was, you know, What's as his if, name? As, what to put his oh, name on the not, we, we What does he live? saying his name. Uh, yeah. you, you probably get to see him on, on CNN. Uh, yeah, later. of course. I love those guys. But, you know, but, but, but it, is, it is that you don't say America with an yeah. intensity. You yeah. don't say England yeah. with yeah. an intensity. Yeah. You know, you don't, you don't say um, the army with an intensity. Kaida. <laughs> But you say these these names because you you want that that word to carry weight. Well, yeah. Not exactly sure how she compares Al Qaeda and Hezbollah with the United States Army, but uh, whatever. I I guess the United States Army slammed two airplanes into the Twin Towers and the Pentagon, but whatever. I. This is the kind of mentality that this woman has. She is, I, she's just, she's disgusting. And I don't know how, well, I do know how she got into Congress. A lot of her district is Muslim um, because you, one of the things you need to be aware of that in her district, uh, Obama actually did take the uh, refugees from places like Somalia uh, and brought them 
here to the United States and actually had them migrated them up to Minnesota. Minnesota is now has a huge Muslim territory, huge Muslim population. And uh, a lot of the terrorism you hear is actually up there. Like I said, there were nine uh, ISIS-inspired potential terrorists that have been arrested. And that was the city where a man had cut off a woman's head because he had said something or disrespected her. So this is, this is, this is kind of the, the strange world that we're living in right now. In another quote, she said, quote, Fox News is going to give is now giving a nightly platform to white supremacist wet rhetoric. It's dangerous. Advertisers should not be underwriting hate speech. Notice in these tweets, she doesn't have anything substantial to say or an argument. She just slings insults. Also, she doesn't call into Fox News and try to respond or debate on air. I would bet my left arm Tucker would have her on in a second. She just attempts to market as hate speech, whatever that is. I don't know what hate speech is. And calls for Fox News sponsors to boycott the station. In other words, she wants the critics silenced. She doesn't want debate. She doesn't want anybody arguing with her. See, debate is something the left does not do because they can't do it. If they try, they'll lose every time. See, here's the thing. Tucker was not wrong about any of this. Maybe he was slightly xenophobic on this, but he wasn't wrong. Everything he said was true and can be proven from Omar, either by looking through her tweets or looking through her past interviews or looking through her commentaries and some of the newspapers she's published in. She is. She seriously does not, not only does she not like Jews, she doesn't like the United States. And it's shocker because she was actually raised from 10 years old. She was actually raised pretty well. I mean, she had a good life. But you can imagine Tucker, <laughs> Tucker's not going to stop. And he didn't. Uh, he decided to respond to it. And that response, that second response, got, just drew silence from his opposition. There was not a, after this response, there was not a tweet. There was nothing from Ilhan Omar about Tucker Carlson. This clip actually references the previous clip. So um, if you're actually on the website looking at the complete interview, uh, you can watch the whole interview on dumbassestalkingpolitics.com. In this clip, it's about a seven minute clip. I actually cut it down to about two minutes. I know it's a longer, it's, that's kind of a long soundbite, and I'm still trying to get used to uh, editing. But a lot of what he said is kind of important. And I, I think it really, really shows something. And I'm going to spend a lot of time on uh, some of the deeper realities that Tucker is really bringing up here. So listen to Tucker Carlson the next day. Think about that for a minute. Our country rescued Ilhan Omar from the single worst place on earth. We didn't do it to get rich. In fact, it cost us money. We did it because we are kind people. How did Omar respond to the remarkable gift we gave her? She scolded us and called us names. She showered us with contempt. It's infuriating. But more than that, it's also ominous. 
The United States admits more immigrants in any country on Earth, more than a million every year. The Democratic Party demands that we increase that number and admit far more. Okay, Americans like immigrants. But immigrants have got to like us back. That's the key. It's essential. Otherwise, the country falls apart. Needless to say, the left went berserk. They hate it when you say the true things. Ilhan Omar and her allies in Congress immediately demanded that this show be pulled off the air. They didn't rebut what we said, any of our points, or even acknowledge them. They just tried to silence us. That's how they operate. And, of course, they called us racist. We despise the current habit of judging people on the basis of their skin color. It's wrong. We say that virtually every night. Racist? No. We're against racism, adamantly. Omar consistently puts her own race at the center of the conversation. But to us, it's irrelevant. Ayan Hirsi Ali, for example, would, by the standards of identity politics, by Omar's standards, seem to have everything in common with Ilhan Omar. Like Omar, she was born in Somalia, moved to Kenya, and eventually came to this country. Unlike Omar, Ali loves and cares about the United States. She believes our country is superior to the country she came from, and she says that. For saying that, the left despises her. Omar's friend, Linda Sarsour, once tweeted that Ali deserves to be mutilated for her beliefs. So two Somali immigrants, one among the most impressive people in America, the other among the least. It's not about race. But of course, Omar and her friends already know that. Nothing they say on the subject of race is sincere. It's all a hustle designed to get them what they want. Omar has made a career of denouncing anyone and anything in her way as racist. That would include virtually all of her political and personal opponents. It includes even inanimate objects like the proposed border wall. That's racist. So is the United States Congress. So is the entire state of North Dakota, she once tweeted. Omar may be from another country, but she learned young that crying racism pays. Tucker is absolutely correct here. This has nothing to do with racism on the right. This is not about um, white supremacy or xenophobia or anything like that. The right's embrace of people like, like Ayan Irsay Ali is just one example of that. There are many others, including Candace Owens, who's black, Dave Rubin, who's Jewish and gay, Ben Shapiro, who's Jewish, and Josefina Orozco, who's Hispanic and my girlfriend. All these people, except for Josie, who no one knows, are hated by the left, even though they meet s s some of the requirements of intersectionality and identity politics. If Dave Rubin ran as a, ran as a uh, Democratic candidate, he'd probably be way up there. Well, he, probably because he's smarter than half of them anyway. But I think Tucker hit on something really important. Something that he may need to express in his next book, because it's very hard to express it in a six and a half minute dialogue, monologue. Whether or not he meant to, I had thoughts that went way beyond his commentary. And yes, it's probably going to, if you listen to this and you're on the left, it's probably going to be seen as racist and xenophobic and whatever. But I don't care. I hope it is. Mikhail Khrushchev, the premier of the Soviet Union in the 1960s, said the Soviet Union would win the Cold War against the United States without firing a single shot. Of course, he was, would be proven wrong, but he gave away how totalitarian governments, whether it be Marxist, communist, socialist, Sharia law, how they actually plan to do it. 
What he meant was, in this case, communism would eat the foundation of our democracy from within. If one has ever read The Communist Manifesto by Karl Marx and Friedrich Engels, um, this is no secret. They said that would happen. They said that capitalism cannot survive. By the way, if you've never read it, pick it up. It, you can get it for like a buck anywhere. You can read it on the internet. It's literally 38 pages long, and it is very enlightening. And I, I think we've talked about Marxism, Leninism, and social, uh, communism in an earlier podcast. I don't think we do. Unenlightened ideas and misinformation are the enemies of our government. That's why President Trump calling the mainstream media enemies of the people is not exactly incorrect. It's a little inflammatory, but it's not incorrect. Lies, identity politics, intersectionality, suppression of speech, the wiping out of our history, and the indoctrination to leftist ideas within our schools are the rot that is actually damaging the foundation of our democratic republic. It will slowly transform the United States into the leftist, quote, utopia. But that utopia involves the elite taking and holding power at any cost. Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, this is not a woman about the people. This is a woman who wants power. That's all she wants. And she's very open about it. And she justify the, uh, what is it? The ends justify the means with her, which means she will lie to get it. Because she knows better than any of us, even though she doesn't. She's an idiot. Uh, the citizens of a country like that are only commodities. They're only there to serve the state. And this is not some bizarre thing that happens once in a while. It happened in the Soviet Union. It happened in North Korea. It happened in Cuba. It ha it's happening right now in Venezuela. Tucker was right. Omar, Rashida Tlaib, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez are a hustle. They're a small minority, and they're really, really dumb. But so are their followers. And they have something that conservatives and even moderate Democrats don't have. They're loud, they're extreme, they're young, and they're vicious. Their ideas are poison to for our country. And any reasonable per person, which makes, up the, which makes up most of the country, by the way, knows it. And I don't think, I still think we're good. I still think we're in sh good shape. Because the reality is, Trump is president. I was really worried if Hillary Clinton became president, one of the most corrupt politicians out there, if she became president, the country would be lost. But there, there is a problem, and it's with our younger generations. They're actually embracing this totalitarian concept of socialism and stuff like that. Antifa, uh, socialist, Marxist, socialist anarchy, which I don't even know what that means. The two are opposing views. I, these people are really going to the extreme. The schools are teaching it. The media is confirming it. The news media is confirming it. And the entertainment industry makes it an emotional cause. It's all around us. It is surrounding us right now. Judeo-Christian values and religion are being demonized and attacked. And they're being shut down. Schools are indoctrinating the children as young as preschool age to the leftist concepts, instead of teaching the kids things they need to know, like math and science and how to reason. Or how about history? History is changing before our eyes. 
And it's really, really, really scary. It's only going to be a matter of time that our education system starts banning books. History is being rewritten. Laws are being ignored. The Constitution is being dismissed because it was written by racist white men who only tried to who only tried to create an unjust patriarchy. Though this trash has been being pushed, is still considered fringe, it is making its way into the mainstream. When I say it is fringe, excuse me. Sorry about that. I don't know if you could hear that. But you probably could have. Uh, my volume was set on the baseball game. Um, when I say fringe, what I mean is there are only a set number of people that will actually vote for this crap. Not everyone is going to vote for this crap. I'm telling you, if one of the 482 candidates, most of them, I think all but two or three actually accept this garbage, like the Green New Deal and all that crap, they're going to have to, once they win their primaries, whoever wins the primary, they're going to have to shift to the extreme center to get votes. Because if they're going to sit back and um, embrace Medicare for all and tell $170 million people you're going to lose your health insurance, yeah, that's not going to work out well for them. The Like... The 50s and 60s, the country is under attack. This isn't the first time this happened. Whenever someone sits back and worries that, oh my gosh, this is, this is, it's never been like this. Yes, it has. In the 50s and 60s, we had the same problem. As a matter of fact, this problem really never went away, except now it's getting tra- traction. Um, Joseph McCart- McCarthy was absolutely insane. He was an alcoholic. He, he was crazy. He was, but he wasn't wrong in expl- in exclaiming that there is a red scare in this country. Uh, the poison we are fighting today was already there sixty years ago, and it's never left the media or the entertainment in- industry. And when I say the media, I mean the news media. The red scare, for those who don't know, who, the younger folks, this was a movement led by Joseph McCarthy. He was a senator. Uh, its purpose was to weed out and ruin all communist sympathizers within the country. At the time, there was a belief that uh, communism actually wasn't a warring political system. It was one that tried to usurp the, the existing political system, which is what Khrushchev said when I talked about that earlier. And it did. It did ruin a lot of people's lives. It did find the communists. It did find that there was communist sympathizers within the media, within the news industry, but the uh, the news media and within the entertainment industry. But it also found a lot of innocence. This was not one of the best. This was not one of the best times. I mean, this was a paranoid time. All you had to do is go to somebody and say, "Well, my neighbor's a communist," and that person would be pulled in front of Congress and would have to answer questions. Not a great time in our history. But here's the thing. We don't have to violate the constitutional rights of people as McCarthy did. We just have to know what's happening and bravely point it out. I say bravely because one wrong word can cost one his job, 
or get him beaten up in the streets. I know that at work, I can't talk about conservative ideals unless I'm talking to someone who I know has those same ideals, or at least is open up to those ideals. I work in a very uh, liberal setting. Not hostile, but liberal setting. And you know, it's just better not even to bring this stuff up. Bravery is also needed, not only because you can lose your job, you can lose your life. Antifa, the far left, these people are crazy. They chase people out of, uh, they chase people out of restaurants. They throw milkshakes at them. In the case of Antifa, which I think is very close to being considered a um, hate group. Well, it's definitely a hate group, but it's about to be considered a terrorist organization. It's actually beating people up and threatening to kill people. Today, just to make my point, today in Colorado, in an ICE station in Colorado, there was an uh, Antifa member who actually brought gasoline bombs and an AR-15 to an ICE center, and he was going to blow things up. Of course, uh, in an ICE center, you have very well-armed guards, and luckily they were able to kill them, kill him. And, and here's the thing. No one is condemning this attack. Nobody. CNN didn't even mention the attack. Ilhan Omar was asked directly, do you condemn the attack on the ICE detention center, she would not answer. What kind of human being is this that doesn't condemn terrorism? I'd condemn terrorism. I don't care if a conservative walked into, uh, walked and did something because he hated uh, Ilhan Omar and he hated them. That's, that's not good. We can't have that in this country. That's a death of discourse. It doesn't work. And it's not like it's the first time we saw this. Remember the congressional softball game last year where, Gary, where uh, Scalise was shot and almost killed by a left-wing radical. This stuff is going to happen more and more and more. But we have to be brave. I don't believe we're heading towards a huge civil war, but we're going to have these little civil wars here and there. We're going to have Antifa against the regular people like us. People who just want to cross the street and don't want to be bothered by these thugs. Tucker did that. He bravely called out one of the more popular, for whatever reason, the gal is dumb as a brick, she's hateful, she's mean, she's not a good person, but he called her out. He knew he would get called a lot of names, and there was going to be a lot of calls to shut Fox News down or shut his show down. He said it was going to happen. It did. He was right. If he were wrong, leftists would not have called him a racist, xenophobe, or white supremacist. Kind of like, you're not going to see uh, a bunch of tweets from me, uh, them calling me a racist, xenophobe, and white supremacist. Why? Because no one listens to this. And I just speak the truth. Tucker speaks the truth, but people listen to him. That makes him very dangerous to the left. We all need to learn to take that stand and don't change. Don't don't give up your beliefs. Okay, you can follow me on Twitter, 
Twitter, at RunninFool. I think I'm catching a cold. My nose is just going out of, all over the place. Uh, RunninFool, at RunninFool, R-U-N-N-I-N-F-E-W-L. You can download this podcast on iTunes, Podbean, Podcast Addict, and you can listen to it on YouTube. If you want to take a look at the full videos, uh, they're available on my website at dumbassestalkingpolitics.com, along with uh, the actual show notes and the uh, resources that I used. Hope you have a great night. Get ready, because tomorrow it's not over. We're going to start with another one. This is Gene, and you're listening to Dumbasses Talking Politics. Yeah.